and welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast, where new life in Christ is celebrated and we explore together how to live the Christian life in excellence. Thanks for listening today. You can find our podcast at nllutheranpodcast.com. You can also subscribe on Podbean, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play Music. If you have any questions for Pastor Eric or would like to suggest topics for our podcast, you can email him at eric.anderson at nllutheran.com. Let's get growing. Welcome to the New Life Lutheran Podcast. I'm Pastor Ben, and with me today is Pastor Eric, our discipleship pastor, and Pastor Phil, our professor of German arts and crafts, <laughs> and also our teaching pastor. And so we're excited today to continue our Lenten journey with you. And if you were here last week, you know that we talked about some common practices within uh, the, the Lenten season. We talked about fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. And if you paid close enough attention, you also know that during the Lenten season, we're going to focus specifically on one of these elements, prayer. And so today, what you're going to experience is a, a conversation between uh, Pastor Phil and Pastor Eric. They have been studying about prayer, and they obviously have their own experiences with prayer. And so what we're going to do today is we're going to answer two big questions, which are, what is prayer? Um, actually, we're going to answer three big questions. Sorry. What is prayer? Is it necessary? And how do I start? And so today is going to be a, a great time for you to be informed and empowered and to understand prayer in a deeper way as we begin this conversation. So we're going to start right away with our, our first question, which is, what is prayer? And I want to start off by kind of talking about what the average person on the street might, might uh, experience in prayer or how they might view prayer. So I'm going to ask both our pastors this morning, uh, Pastor Eric first, then Pastor Phil, uh, what are some common misconceptions on prayer that you have you have run into or that you know exists with the everyday uh, Joe on the street. Yeah, so I would say probably the first thing, um, then we can kick it to Pastor Phil while I think a little bit more. The first thing that I thought of when I when we were working on these notes was uh, people tend to think of prayer as a get-out-of-jail-free card, where it's like, I've gotten myself into this situation, and I've not considered God in almost any part of my life until... Like I'm, I'm getting into a hairy situation, and then I'm gonna pray that God would provide a miracle for me to get me out of this hard situation, or to help me through this hard situation. Um, so I would say for sure, it's almost like um, I can't remember who said it, but um, someone said there's no atheists in foxholes. When the pressure is on, people tend to start praying, praying then. So that's one of the first. That's the first thing that I thought of was get out of jail free. A get out of jail free card. Yeah, I I would think that for me, I, I think that the real issue is that people don't think prayer is possible at all. That um, you could have shot up at the heavens, sort of, but just how if I talk to God, I'm sort of talking into dead air. Yeah, who's up there listening? And and then how does God talk to me? I mean, really, do the heavens open up and you really hear a voice coming out? And so. Most people feel prayer is downright impossible because of our secular worldview that's totally removed God, totally removed the spiritual dimension. Therefore, prayer is totally impossible. Mm -hmm. it, it, you just all prayer is then is just talking to yourself. It's mm -hmm. self-talk. Mm -hmm. It's um, 
and that's what spirituality is in the in the modern world. It's it, it's me sort of fiddling with my psychological life inside me, and that's called spirituality. And it's the real issue is we are totally cut off our our worldview, our our modern understanding. We are totally cut off from God, and we live in a box. A box of this world, uh, the scientific worldview, what can be ascertained by science, and that totally eliminates the spirituality. Mm-hmm. And within that worldview, prayer is totally impossible. God is impossible. And for me, that had to be the starting point for dealing with prayer. Yeah, I think both those are incredibly valid. We have this kind of the side that Pastor Phil talked about, this pop psychology understanding where, yeah. where prayer isn't really a real communication with God, but it might be... If I view the world in a positive way, my thoughts will lead to positive results. <laughs> and uh, we see that a lot in our culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also see in our culture what Pastor Eric talked about, which is this idea of I pray when I have to pray because in that moment I'm desperate. Mm-hmm. And and unfortunately, what happens is when a majority of people think a certain way, they have incredible influence over the minority. And the minority are those who probably see, or not probably, but see prayer in its in its true light. And so we even see this in the church setting. Uh, we have these prayer cards every week that we put in the, the bulletin. And one of the things that's kind of sad to me is every week we pray for cancer or surgeries and or whatever's going on, right? Uh, there's a pregnancy and, and all these things. So we pray and pray and pray and pray. And then what I never see on the back end is, thank you, Lord, for answering my prayer. Mm-hmm. So it's right. this desperate plea. And then when it happens, it's like, well... And we're moving on. And I think we lose some power in that, and we probably lose some legitimacy in prayer when we don't actually see that. Because the answer is, those things roll off our prayer list all the time, and I know they got answered. But we don't turn around and make it a priority to thank God for the answers that He actually has shown. And I think that just leads more into the culture of, well, it happened. Either he did it and I can move on, I don't need faith, or maybe it was just my positive thoughts or just this chance thing that brought this this resolve. So I know you guys are constantly studying, and I know right now you're specifically studying a book on prayer by Tim Keller, which is going to help guide our conversation. Now, if you're listening right now and you're thinking, I, what does Tim Keller matter to me? I don't know him, don't know of him. Let me just kind of give you some background. He's an American pastor a theologian, and a Christian apologist, and he is a a Presbyterian brother in Christ, which means as he understands an infinite God with a finite mind, just like we do, there are some things that differ. However, he he is a a great pastor and someone to learn from, someone to challenge our thoughts, and there's things that we might not align with, but there's some some things that we definitely will align with. So I know as you guys have been reading, uh, Keller defines prayer as both a conversation and an encounter with God. So, Pastor Phil, when you when you hear that statement of a conversation and an encounter with God, how does that, that line up with our Lutheran understanding? Or maybe how does it conflict in some ways with, with how we would really categorize or define uh, prayer through our lens? I, I don't think it would really uh, differ with our Lutheran understanding. I mean... It, I guess I'm. Um, if I could go back to where I, I was sort of a bit ago, um, I had overcome this notion that I, God doesn't talk to me at all. 
And I, I, I read, this is 45 years ago, I read a book by Morton Kelsey using uh, Jungian psychology explaining how God speaks to us through the depths of our unconscious. And he said, and, and people for to millennia, millennia have understood prayer as God speaking us to us through the depth of our soul. The thoughts, feelings that come to mind, God speaks to us through them. And I had to learn how that worked first so that or that it worked, that that's how God talked to us, um, through the depth of our souls and and also through events. But I had to learn how that happened, that that actually happened, that God actually speaks to us, speak, spoke to me, speaks to me through the depths of my soul. And I've learned to listen to my, my inner life, to God speaking, but it is always chastened by the Word. And the primary way that God speaks to me, if prayer is a two-way conversation, it's not just, it's not primarily me talking to God and telling him what I want, what I want. Mm-hmm. it's primarily God talking to me, mm-hmm. and he speaks to me through the word most of all, but when I, it isn't, it isn't just an intellectual encounter in the word, it, it is a personal, he speaks to my heart, my life, he guides me, um, God speaks through dreams, God speaks through intuitions, Um and I know there's a real um, skitterishness amongst Lutherans talking that way because that's too psychological. Right. But but I think we have to deal with that issue yeah. that in this secular worldview, I just don't understand how it's possible for God to talk to me. Right. That I think is the is the and 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 that Jungian approach that God speaks to the depth of the soul. Now Jung wasn't a Christian. It was probably an atheist or an agnostic, but and he was into all kinds of weird spirituality, but you could still appropriate his insight for how God speaks to our souls. Mm-hmm. That I think is is to me was the most essential point. Yeah. I think I think boiling it down the way that Tim Keller did, that that quote is right at the introduction. Um, and it's it's kind of him framing the whole the whole rest of his book. Um, but I think just like as a general uh, knowing that that definition is limited, um, I think that's helpful um, for us to understand because you're right, Pastor Phil, it is it is a conversation where God speaks to us um, through through his word, um, both uh, this, the, the Bible, the scriptures, the written word, and also the proclaimed word, the, the sermon. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also an encounter where there's there's an eminence um, that happens when we interact um, with God in this way, and and Martin Luther, you know, you you're right when you say Lutherans can be kind of skittish when it comes to um, uh, prayer, talking about prayer that way. But even Martin Luther himself talked about that um, in preparing for this Lent season and for this podcast. I I reread um, Martin Luther's letter to Peter the Barber. Yes, um, where yeah. Martin Luther says like uh, when he's talking about when he when he prays and he's praying one of the petitions of the Lord's Prayer. Which he, uh, his suggestion is that for each petition, you take time to pray, you know, pray more fully the petition. Um, he says sometimes he'll get an impression and he'll, he'll hang on to a word or to a phrase. And he, he says that he stops there and he'll, he'll even not pray the rest of the prayer and just spend time on that, 
the thing that that kind of sparked something in his um, unconscious, and and he says that's the Holy Spirit preaching yes to him yes, um, yes. and so it, it is an encounter an inward encounter yes it is um, with God so I think that that conversation and encounter are kind of helpful. Yes, it I is. I think they're helpful words. Yeah, I, I was impressed by that too mm-hmm. in reading his letter to Peter the barber. Yeah. He says, and I'll just, it, it, it's, it's like the Spirit takes a hold of me yeah. and he develops the thoughts of the scriptures. It's right. not running off into strange ideas, right. it's developing the thoughts in the right. scripture, the meaning of it. Right. And you, you, you go through the meanings of the catechism, they're rather profound, and particularly the ones on the Lord's Prayer, mm-hmm. the first three petitions. Um, I've thought about those again and, and mm. Luther's meaning. They are really profound. Mm-hmm. They're nothing about, we take prayer as something we do right. in that book petitions. Luther talks about it as something God does. Yeah, that's right. And and so for him, he the Holy Spirit carries him along yeah. in the Word. That's right. Amplifying, understanding the Word. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that ties into um, when I was in college... Um, of course, being young, you know, uh, Christians in our late teens and early twenties, um, there's a there's a big move in the evangelical world toward um, spiritual disciplines, yeah. Um, and so we would kind of latch onto some uh, what would be more considered like Roman and um, Eastern Orthodox disciplines um, and and old, you know, ancient disciplines, and many of them centered around this exact kind of thing. Uh, the two that I think of right now are Lectio Divina, mm-hmm. which is a way of reading scripture uh, that's slow. And then when a word catches your attention or an idea, a phrase does, you just kind of stop and dwell on that word. Um, and also centering prayer, which is as you're praying when a word or phrase is exactly what Martin Luther talks about. It's just systematized and talked about in a different way. Um, but yeah, it certainly is like in prayer, it's more like we are we are brought um we are brought up to God um, by Him more than it's just us, like asking. You know, it's not. It's not us. We do ask for things uh, because He wants us to. He demands us to. Um, but it is. It is very much the sense of. It, it is an encounter, um, and I think that that may be where we're weakest as Lutherans. Um, is that encounter part of prayer? And and in that encounter. You have to learn how to listen to God speak to you. I mean, it's yeah, that's right. It's like it, being in a marriage. You have to learn how to listen to your wife and know her moods, her thoughts, and, and re- be able to respond to them. Well, in the same way, indeed, with God, it's not so much God's moods and thoughts; it's my own. Right. And learn how to listen to my own soul as God speaks to me. Right. Um, and I can just see some more conservative Lutherans just shaking their heads know, at my right. saying this, but, but. Um, that narrow, that's too narrow. And um, and yes, we always must guard all spiritual experience with the, the word. word. That's right. Always. It's all always. about the word. Yeah. It's all about the word, yeah. the living word of God. But but the word, the reason the word is living is because it's speaking to my heart, right. my mind. That's right. Yeah. Uh, um, and the Holy Spirit continues to preach. The yes. Word. Like, like he continues yes. to give, as Martin Luther said, he continues to give us the word. Yes. Um, uh, all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you have to learn how to listen to your own soul, how the how mm-hmm. God addresses you, uh, and and and, uh, 
and then look critically at what's going on because yeah. not everything that comes into my soul is right, good. That's right. I mean, I mean, some of the darkest things in the yeah. in my life come into my prayer life. I mean, yeah. uh, negative things that I struggle against. Yeah. And Lord, help me understand this. Deliver me from this. Uh, it, it is a battle in, within my soul yeah. against the sin that's within me, mm-hmm. and Christ is always leading me through this. He is yeah. changing me, speaking to me. Mm-hmm. I need Him yeah. within uh, to sustain me in that battle against the sin within me mm-hmm. and the temptations without. It, 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 prayer is really almost warfare. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luther just someone described the Lord's prayer as really a, a warrior's prayer. Yeah, it, it's warfare against mm-hmm. the evil in myself and in the world, mm-hmm. and leaning totally on Christ for my life and my strength. Right. Um, a prayer is a is a deep and rich thing, yeah. and uh, because it draws us into the heart of God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think that uh, I think that Tim Keller in this book really does a good job. Um, during during one of the sections, uh, spending a lot of time talking about the struggle that happens as we as we encounter God, um, we are faced with our own. You know, just like you said, we're faced with all of our own um, all the all the darkness within yes. us, and and so then we're we're praying and we're like hearing we're hearing these things from from God, but then we're also hearing another voice. You know, which is um, our own our own flesh and is also yeah. the devil, and it's. Um, and it's the world like telling us these lies, and so it really is this like struggle between: Am I going to trust in what God has said about this thing, um, and am I going to trust in what God has promised to me and what God is doing in me, or am I going to believe that, uh, or or am I going to like buy into some of the lies that I hear um, in my own soul? And that goes yes. back to you know that's a whole theme in. In the Bible, especially in in the Old Testament, is right. hearing the voice of God and, and listening to the voice of God yes. um, versus listening to the voice of of the world or the devil. Um, all the way back to Genesis chapter three, um, when right. when Adam Adam and Eve were tempted. Uh, but yeah, it definitely like it it it's not easy. It's not something that we no. can just um, jump into, and it's it's easy to not do it because it's so difficult. Um, it's one of the first things that we uh, we let go, and and my friend uh, Pastor Jason Palmer, he was on the podcast last year uh, as a guest. He he said it really well. He said, "In a world um, that idolizes uh, productivity, uh, <laughs> prayer is not right. Prayer is not productive. Very unproductive. Yeah. Um, at least at least from the outside, from the world's right, perspective." Right, right. Um, and uh, and so prayer is it is inward and it is a struggle um, and it's easy for us just to think oh I don't have time to do that I don't have right. and it's easy for us to turn on the television or get on social media or whatever um, because it's easy to do other things and not that. Well, as you guys were talking, you said everything relies on the word, which of course is is a great statement and a great way to uh, have a check and balance for that prayer and. and God is telling me to do this, but is he really telling me to do this because it's counter to scripture? Mm-hmm. And so as as someone who hears that, uh, they might be wondering, well, if that's the case, is it dangerous to even dive into mm-hmm. this prayer life because I don't want to go off the rails? Mm-hmm. Or they might even wonder, is prayer necessary? Because if we if we look at just our salvation, we know that we are we are saved uh, on account of of Christ alone through faith alone because yeah. he's gracious to us. That's right. And so 
the question that they might be wrestling with is, is prayer necessary? And I know, Pastor Eric, you've already told me that that this question is wrestled with in the book you guys are working through. So why don't you start off and, and help us understand that. Is is prayer necessary yeah. for a Christian? Yeah, you know, the, Tim Keller lays out an argument about the necessity of prayer. Um, and this was probably the section of the book that I was most... Uh, that there's going to be a divergence between um, what Tim Keller says in this book and probably what a confessional Lutheran um, approach might be. I will also say that in in the context of, of Pastor Keller, um, who is, I think, probably one of the best... Uh, uh, Christian leaders and writers that we have right now from a, a more like orthodox Christian perspective. Right. Um, he He's in a context, I guess he's retired now, uh, but he was working in a context of New York. So he had a church full of young professionals um, in, a, in, you know, whatever, the Sodom and Gomorrah of our day, right? The the heart of kind of the secularism that you were talking about. So, so I'm sure that some of that, that colored some of his approach here. Um, but he focused a lot on um, the the kind of a naturalistic argument. Um, so as you read through about the necessity of prayer, he talks a lot about how um, people just naturally want to reach out to something beyond them. That there's like there's something out there that I need to interact with that I that I call upon in times of trouble. So he kind of uses that as an argument to say so prayer must it must be the natural posture of of humans, which I would agree with, um, but that's not how Lutherans would start. He also points to, uh, and this is an interesting argument, um, he points to Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 and 6, where Jesus um, introduces his teaching on prayer right before the, the Lord's Prayer. And he says, um, well, you know, when you pray, don't do it in front of everybody and you know, use lots of words. Go into the, the closet, go into the secret place, and, um, and pray to your Father, because what you know, you do, the father sees what's done in secret. And so he, he has this phrase then after that, I didn't quite understand this connection where he says that to Jesus, um, the infallible test of spiritual integrity is private prayer life, which I don't see that connection in, um, in the, in the gospels or, or in that particular text. Um, but I think what a Lutheran would just say plainly, uh, and, and again, maybe Lutherans aren't the best at engaging a secular world because we we so assume God's the primacy of God's word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if a Christian were to come and say to me, "Why should I pray?" I would say, "Well, God commands it; <laughs> he he demands it." Um, right. Jesus Jesus tells us when we pray, do these things. He doesn't say if you pray, do these things. Um, he tells us he gives the command: ask, seek, knock. He he gives commands to engage in this thing. Um, we also see in scripture that prayer is just the natural response to what's going on. And Keller did a great job highlighting this, that all through prayer, all through the scriptures is weaved um, this this act of prayer. I mean, that is how people respond to God um, and how people interact with him is through prayer. So um, from, from scripture, we have direct commands to pray and to ask God for things. And mm-hmm. also we see this kind of norm there's this kind of normative principle in the scriptures that when people interact with God, they pray. They're led to prayer. So um, it must be um, a necessary thing for us to do to interact with God because we see it weaved all throughout uh, the scriptures. So when we talk about that necessity of prayer, um, that's probably how I would start. Is I would say if it were a Christian, I would say God commands it. 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, so do it. Um, and the other thing is, I would I would point to the natural posture of humans towards God is prayer. Eric, I, I think there's a... I'm a confessional Lutheran. I love my church. I love the church in which I was raised. It's my home. But the weakness of Lutheranism is it intellectualizes. Yeah. It's a head trip if there ever was one. Yeah. And I think the Dutch, re, the, the Reformed tend to be that too. They right. became very scholastic, very intellectual. And, and it's like, that wasn't Luther. Right, that's right. Luther yeah. was a very spiritual, I mean, yeah. intelligent insight yeah. into the Word of God, but he also had a, he, he was very spiritual. His right. his faith was had a spiritual depth to it, and and that's the weakness of modern Lutheranism. Much of it, it sort of it intellectualizes everything rather than uh, approaches God through the soul the, and, the, and the spiritual depth. Um, and you think about the the things that Luther raises up, um, struggling against sin and dying to the old self, being yeah. born again, Christ living in me. I mean, them, those are deeply spiritual. Yeah, those yeah. aren't just head trips. And deeply emotional. They're yeah. deeply emotional, yeah. deep, deeply spiritual. Right. The whole. And when I say spirit, I mean the whole human being. Mm. Tillich made this thing about you can split a person into. Um, uh, an act of will, an act of thought, but faith is really an act of the entire person. Mm-hmm. The entire mm-hmm. person, that's what faith is. Mm-hmm. It's the response of the whole person, body, mind, soul, and spirit to God. Mm-hmm. And um, and prayer then is a response of my whole being, yeah. not just my head, my whole being to God and, and being touched by him and listening to him speak to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I think that I, I think it's important. Um, it's great that you brought up brought up faith in this because it is, um, you know, we we would say that that prayer is a response to God, which I think I think Tim Keller would agree um, on that. Um, he has some hints into it, but again, I think his context he's just not he's not starting there because his most of his readers and his congregation wouldn't start there, um, you know. But for what we see is that. And what and what uh, kind of Martin Luther and, and the um, the early uh, reformers kind of tapped back into from Scripture and uh, the early church was that there is this this father this parent who is giving these yeah. good gifts and it's it's almost like um, I mean. Well, the, the, a parent is the metaphor that we've been given, right, in Scripture. Father is a metaphor we've been given in Scripture. So um, it's like this father who just keeps offering things. And we can say, no, 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 I'm too busy. No, 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 I'm too busy. No, 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 I'm too busy. Um, but at some point, we have to contend with the reality that that God is doing something for us. Um, and that it's a it's a massive upheaval of, of our soul, of our... Um, of our psyche, of our spirit. It's, it's this massive upheaval of who we are, and he's offering us comfort and peace and joy. And so at some point, we just have to face that um, or choose to ignore it. Um, and so what really... What do you mean by massive upheaval, Eric? Oh, well, because you know, we're told so many things by the world and in our own, by our flesh, about what's important, what's not important. Right. Um, and when... When we respond to to God, um, 
after he after we've heard his promises, um, and he offers us this gift, and we have faith in him, it it changes everything. It turns me from being self reliant, yeah, self reflective. Yeah. Okay, yes. It kind mm-hmm. of it kind of stops all that that selfish yeah. inward looking, um, and and forces me to face. Uh, this ultimate reality, um, and to encounter and engage, um, engage with Him, and so I would say that prayer is necessary because um, our our faith is, in one sense, it, it is inward, right? It is introspective in some way, uh, but it is introspective because because God has spoken to us, and now now the Spirit is within us, and it, it is external. God has done something, said something to us, um, and now we have to wrestle with him and interact with him. I think the strength of Luther's approach is that it's it always starts with from outside right. me. That's right. Christ outside me, extranos, right. comes into, into me. me. Yeah, that's right. And, and it doesn't, uh, too often our culture is always fiddling that's around right. in our inwards, looking, innards, looking yeah. for God. No, yeah. he comes from outside right. me. That's right. And, 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 and I was just in my own prayer life this morning, I was, I woke up in the middle of the night and was praying and, and it was like, Sometimes I, in my younger days, I would get so convoluted in myself. Mm. It was like a whirlpool of self yeah. I was being sucked into yeah. by turning inward. I remember a t- teacher in college told me, "Phil, you're going to end up like Buddha, staring oh. at your belly button. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> you're so introspective." Yeah. And we have to be delivered from that. That right. you know, and it's done by Christ outside me. Right, right. His reaching out to me and coming to me draws me out of myself, right. but He draws me out of the very center of my being right. Right. to Him, and and I am and I am His love, His grace fill me. Yeah, and um, so it's a deep interconnection, right. but it always originates with Him. Right, and I've got to wake up to that, be learn that how much yeah. I draw my life from. All right. of my life from right. him. Yeah, and and you know, in the biblical in the biblical sense, in the biblical worldview, um, we humans are not we do not make meaning um, by you know being true to ourselves. We don't yeah, make right. we don't make meaning we don't make meaning by um, discovering who I am. Yeah. It's it, it's really the the purpose of humans is is to know and be known, um, and and that's the biblical language is. Is that we we have there has to be some sort of external experience, and we can only find true um, flourishing and health and salvation when that when we are known and and when we know and are being known by God. It's a communion of persons. That's exactly right. Yeah, and so we and so prayer is not it is something that happens within us because God is in us. Yes, but it's an external work. So for it's an external work for us. To us um, by God, which is why you know, which is why we would say it's a response. Mm-hmm. You can't, you can't really. Uh, how can you pray to God if you if you don't know Him? If you haven't heard um, His promises to you, you know that's kind of the first response that we have to God is yes, is after we've been told, after He has spoken to us and told us His promises then we can enter into this relationship of faith. It's because I know he loves me right. that I can confess yes. my sins. That's right. He loves me, and therefore I'm willing to open my heart and yeah. make a confession yeah. and acknowledge my sinfulness yeah. because I know that the one listening to me 
loves me yeah. and it, and and the love I don't deserve. Yeah. But but right. that that the it's almost like the gospel of grace is prior to everything. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, yeah. it it's before anything else. Yeah, which is why we can then We have to discover that. Right. That, that it's before. Yeah, that's right. And so it's kind of like um you yeah, and and some people uh I I don't get super hung up um uh when young Christians say uh well that's when I gave my gave my life to Jesus. It's like Okay, you know, it, it, it seems like that, but we'll, you know, we'll we'll work that out of you. You'll understand, because um, it does feel that way, right? It right. does feel that we are respond. It feels like we're talking to God, and but His Word comes first. Um, his His love and grace towards us comes first, and then we can respond to Him, which is um, why we can be so confident, and why I think, um, again, um, you know, referencing Martin Luther's letter to Peter the Barber. He, Martin Luther says, say your amen and know that God has heard you. Um, it's because God has promised that he's going to hear us. Um, you know, Jesus instructs us to, to call upon God as our father, right? As a loving parent who wants to give us good things. Yes. Um, and so we can have faith. Um, but how can, you know, how can you pray if you don't, if you don't know that, if you don't have and what prevents Trust prayer is probably, like I said earlier, there is no God. It's an empty universe. Or if there is a God, he doesn't like me at all. Right, right. And he's hostile to me and he's out to get me. Yeah. And yeah. he's my enemy. And that's from within the nat- my sin nature, that's how I see God. Yeah, yeah, that's and right. I have to be delivered from that by somebody has to tell me, no, God loves you. Yeah, Do you know right. that? And, yeah. and, uh, and it's real. It's true. It's yeah. it, yeah, and so we really can't, you know, in one sense, in one sense, then prayer is is kind of a means of grace, um, but it's not not quite a means of grace. Um, I don't know. That's I'm well, sure yeah, I'm sure it's a gray area. I, I think, it, it, yeah, uh, it, it's the living out of the grace, right? It, yeah, it's it the is, communion. It is it is the relationship. Yeah. It's how we foster that relationship that comes out of the grace that God has given us. If right? you think of the word and the sacraments as God, Christ, come, look at our church. You know, I, I always picture that that huge cross up front, and then below it is the altar, font, and pulpit. Yeah, and the power of the cross, Christ, the message about His grace flows through the Word, through the bread and the body and blood of Christ, through our baptism. So it. It tells us right there. It all it's initiated by yeah, God, that's right. and that worship isn't something we do to for God. It right. is something, something He does for us. God mm-hmm. first gives to us, mm-hmm. and all of our worship is a response. Right, right. And so is our prayer. So life. is our prayer life. Yeah. So it's kind of a working out of that relationship. Yeah. Of of God's grace. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, you really can't live the Christian life without prayer. Um, you really no. can't. You really can't. Encounter um, you yes. can't you can't fully encounter God because yes. you have to respond. <laughs> you know you either respond by and by not responding you're responding. Right. Um, you're you're kind of laying those things to off respond. to the side. Yeah, you're you're saying those are nice gifts, but I'm not I'm not going to engage with those. I'm not going to let you in. I'm not going to let you work on me. And and the danger is when you intellectualize it, 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 it you're cutting yourself off from the depth of your own soul. God mm-hmm. speaking to the depth of your own soul, mm-hmm. and you, you just everything becomes a head trip. That's yeah. the great weakness of our tradition. Yeah. Well, at least as I've encountered, I about forty-five years ago, I was asked to write a paper for a synod committee, a, 
I think it was church uh, Christian Life Committee or prayer or some or uh, Christian education or something. And young, one of the young guys coming out of seminary got a lot of great ideas. <laughs> well, I I wasn't. I don't think it was all that profound. But what I d- discovered in writing that paper was. What I was longing for was a prayer life, mm. and I got none of that in seminary. Mm. Oh, sure. And so I, when you said in your generation you were looking for spirituality and prayer yeah, life, that's right. I think that I think that's um, kind of the, a sign of our times that we had we had lost that right. depth of prayer and spiritual encounter with God. Right. We just got into a formal relationship with God and right. ritualized religion and. Yeah. And and lost the depth, the spiritual depth. And oh, sorry. Okay. Excuse me, guys. I I have a question yeah. for Pastor Ben. Mm. Okay, Pastor Ben. I I've been so impressed by the fact that you start us off every Sunday morning with prayer at the altar at seven forty-five, and I've never known a, a, another pastor who does that. And um, I just wondered how you came by that. I I really have appreciated that. Before worship, we all four of us mm-hmm. go and kneel at the altar and pray. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I I really appreciate that about your ministry. Well, I can't really take credit for that. Um, before I was uh, the lead pastor here, Pastor Bill Sullivan was the the lead pastor here, and so some of you guys will probably be familiar with him. But he had started that uh, tradition, I guess, with me, or that practice with me um, early on. And it was something I had always thought in my past churches that I was serving that that was very significant. And I think anyone intellectually would say that would be very significant. But despite that, uh, we never did it uh, because of the hustle and bustle of life. Mm-hmm. And, you know, getting getting ready for the service and getting things set up and mm-hmm. trying to make sure that you have everything straight in your mind to communicate God's word uh, purely. And when you think about it, obviously that's pretty silly, especially as we think about the power of prayer that we've been talking about. And I, I know I probably won't get this, this statement correct, but I know Luther had said something like, I have so much to do today. Uh, Pastor Phil will straighten me out here in a second, but I, I have a basically basically the synopsis is I, I have like a, my whole calendar is full, right? I have so much to do, so I better pray twice as much. And uh, you know that's the reality is I, I'm very much a victim of this. I'm sure that the listeners are very much a victim of this. Is your calendar gets full, and what's the first thing that drops off? Your prayer life. Mm-hmm. The very one who empowers you to do everything in your life, you are stripping out of the conversation, and yeah. then you're trying to do everything under your own power. Mm-hmm. And, and so a practice that that uh, Pastor Bill started, I, I continue, and I hope when the day comes when God takes me home or calls me someplace else, that the next pastor will do the same thing. Because mm-hmm. as busy as Sunday can be and as draining as Sunday can be, how can we not go to the source right. of power right. to begin that day and, and just pray? Give him the Sunday. Uh, thank him for the fact that we get to do this amazing thing, that we get to bring God to them through the the power of the hymns or the power of the songs, uh, to have people confess and, and lay their sins down at the cross through confession and forgiveness, to have God come to them in the sacrament of baptism and holy communion, to have God come to them in the Word. I mean, it, you know, if we need to pray for anything, that's what we need to pray mm-hmm. for. And so mm-hmm. we we start there. 
and we just pray that that God can use us as a tool in His in His hand, and Thank to you. and to Thank bring you. bring the truth. So yeah. yeah, we should never ever 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 put prayer on the back burner because yeah. we are busy. In fact, that is absolutely the, the time we when mm-hmm. we should lean into prayer. And what I've found, and and you'll find this to be true in your life, I am certain is that when you're in those moments of stress and being overwhelmed and my calendar is so full, that if you actually stop and pray to begin your day, I guarantee you that God will, will pull through and that that to-do list will become more manageable. It won't go away, but you'll be able to get through it maybe with a better spirit or a more positive attitude or feel God empowering you to do things faster, more efficient than you, than you could. So I mm. definitely believe that Martin Luther hit it on the nose when his quote was butchered by me, but we all get the idea <laughs> yeah. that, you know, when we are busy to to spend even more time in prayer and not less time in prayer and not have that be the thing that we sacrifice yeah. because of the necessity of things that we must accomplish in this life. I appreciate that, Pastor Ben. Thank you. Well, we're going to move on to our, our last question here, which is how do I start? Because we know that prayer obviously offers value. It's a great gift to us. It's showcased in Christ's life. So as Christ followers, we should follow in the patterns of Christ and receive the benefits that he offers through it. But the reality is a lot of people feel unable to pray or unworthy to pray as if it's reserved for somebody special. In fact, this last week, two weeks ago, we were playing church league volleyball, which is something we have very popular around here. And so... After every one of our uh, games, we we circle up with the other churches and we pray. And uh, typically, my pattern is if we if we win, um, I pray, and if I lose, I, I give it to the other team, and that's just kind of my my little thing. Or sometimes I'll it doesn't really matter, but I'll, I'll hand it off sometimes. And so we played this church, and they would be a, a, a similar church to ours, is how I will say it, and put that cloud of mystery over it, and. They looked at me and they said, well, we can't pray. We don't have a pastor here. And I, mm. I looked at my wife and it was one of those things where it's like, it's comical, but it's sad. Yeah. And uh, it's funny because obviously that's, that's ludicrous that you can't pray because you don't have some sort of degree or ordination. Mm-hmm. But it, it was sad because somewhere along the way, someone told them, that they were not worthy or able to go to the cross, as if the veil was still there, mm. as if only the high priest could go in. <laughs> and uh, but but unfortunately, that's the reality. You know, if we if we think about that in Christian circles, I would say that's probably not as uncommon as I wished it was. Mm. I think that a lot of people do feel unworthy or incapable, or my words aren't polished enough. So therefore, I can't engage in prayer because I will embarrass myself or God will just be frustrated because I'm not using the right vernacular, mm-hmm. I'm not speaking clearly, and he'll just be irritated by my noise. Mm-hmm. So Pastor Eric, how would you help somebody to, to move forward in their spiritual journey as they encounter these fears and concerns in regards to their prayer life? Yeah, so I would, you know, I'm a big fan of just starting, uh, of just simple, keep it simple. Um so uh, in the small catechism, there's kind of a short order of daily prayer, morning and evening. Um, and in fact, here at New Life, um, I'm encouraging our whole church to do that uh, morning and evening. So during our midweek Lent services um, each week, 
people get a kind of bookmark size uh, piece of paper that has that short order for the morning and evening. And then on the back, it has uh, more specific prayer practices that we'll do each week. Um, so I would say just start there. And it's super easy because all Martin Luther says is uh, to make the sign of the cross and then recite the creed, recite the Lord's prayer. And then there's a little short prayer that will take, I don't know, 20 minutes to memorize and just put it into your own words. Yeah. And it's just that easy. And so you can have this short five to six minute prayer um, that you can do morning and then you can do the evening one, uh, which is another short prayer after. And it's the same thing, the sign of the cross, the creed, the Lord's prayer, and then a short prayer. Um, memorize it, put it into your own words. Um, you don't have to have it word for word, just right. kind of get it into your own words and uh, just start there. Just start. Um, I, I think one of the best things for me personally um, has been since, since we've had our boys, um, I have uh, our practice is that every night I put the boys, I'm kind of in charge of the bedtime routine. Um, so I put the boys to bed and with both of my boys, um, I, I say, well, with Ambrose, I say the creed as I'm kind of rocking him to sleep. And then I pray the Lord's prayer with him. Um, and sometimes I'll do another prayer on top of that. Um, but I've done that with Augustine for a long time. Um, done that now with Ambrose his whole life. Uh, so both of them over for well over a year now I've been doing this. Um, and for me personally, I've gotten benefit <laughs> from just saying the Lord's prayer four times a day. You are a uh, good father. Uh, well, Eric. yeah, well, I don't know about that, but, um, so now, you know, so that just gives me, I don't know, you know, you, when you start just repeating those words and you're, if you're, if you're allowing yourself to lean into that time, if you're not just, you know, babbling or, or, you know, rattling them off, um, that it starts to, to have meaning for you. And so, you know, understanding God as father has taken on more meaning because I dwell on it more. I dwell on him being mm-hmm. my father more. Um, I dwell on it. It's opened up my eyes to prayer as a whole, which is something I've never done well. Um, because, yeah. because of just reciting the Lord's prayer, um, regularly. So I would say just keep it simple, get, find, you know, you can take one of those pieces of papers home. You can come in and get a small catechism, um, whatever. But but have the prayer memor or have the creed memorized. Um, have the Lord's prayer memorized. Uh, get that short little prayer into your own words for both morning and evening, um, and just start there. And just do that every morning and every evening, without excuse. Just do it. Um, and the more you dwell on that, and the more you lean into that time, um, that'll that'll cultivate a familiarity and you'll feel more comfortable with that. Um, the next place I would point people is, um, the Psalms because Pastor Phil, you want to talk about emotional, right? I mean, like, like yeah. just like, like digging down deep <laughs> into the, the soul. I cried oh my today. goodness. Yeah, yeah. The Psalms are like, you know, maybe that that's like, that's the biblical corrective to, you know, <laughs> Lutheran hyper intellectualism is like, man, right. the Psalms are, they are so emotional. Um, so I'm all about um, the, praying the Psalms as well. Um, so yeah, those would be the two places I would point people, um, that short order of prayer and then um, the Psalms, memorize a few of them, write them in your own words. Tim Keller talks about how one of the first things he did was uh, he reworded all the Psalms into his own words. Um, so that's a great practice is just take mm-hmm. the Psalm, read it, reread it, and then write it in your own words um, and begin to pray, pray them. So I'm going to close off with one with one last question for each each of you guys here, but I want to know how have you both overcome your fear to pray or the struggle to make it a consistent part of your life? And so I'm going to start with you first, Pastor Phil. 
Okay, the, so the two things. The first thing I had to overcome was the um, this hyper-rationalized approach to life and, and encounter my own soul. And I did this through reading this um, uh, Martin Kelsey and talking, he used Jung to help open up the spiritual life, dealing with your soul. That was the first step. And then the second step was uh, I became a part of the Society of the Holy Trinity, which is a group of Lutheran pastors that pray the hours of the church. Um, I don't do it as faithful as I should, but it, 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 it uh, particularly compline before I go, as I lay down to sleep, I recite the whole thing from memory. And, or, or, or the catechism. Um, I, I've got the catechism memorized, and so when I'm in a difficult spot, I will just start going through the pray the catechism, the, the the Lord's prayer and the meanings, the Apostles' Creed and the meanings, the Ten Commandments, and even the First Commandment: "I am the Lord your God; you shall have no other gods before me." There, right there at the beginning, is God's promise to be my God, the, the greatest gift, you know. So, for me, the catechism and memorizing that, having memorized prayers, has been put down by some, but for me. Memorize prayers, those things that I can carry around in my head and my heart. Um, I turn to those when I'm in a difficult situation, and I recite those things, and the Holy Spirit speaks through them, and I my my heart is strengthened. Pastor Phil, thank you so much for your transparency in that. So, Pastor Eric, I'm going to ask you to do the same thing. To be honest about how you've overcome the fear to pray and how you've also worked through the struggle to make it a consistent part of your life. Yeah, so for me, I'll, I just want to go back to um, the conversation I had earlier about praying with my boys. Uh, prayer has never been a super strong part of my my faith life, and it's something that, it's one of the growth edges that I really want um, to grow in. Um, but the last year and a half, two years, has been maybe the biggest shift in my prayer life because of this simple regular, um, clinging on to, um, the Lord's prayer and also the creed, um, because it's actually helped me have faith in my prayers, um, and faith in, in God's hearing my prayers and responding to them. Um, so for me, getting over the fear, getting over the hump was really the simplicity of prayer and doing those simple prayers consistently. Um, because it's actually, it's, it's deepened, um, my affection, and uh, my joy in prayer um, and and in speaking to God. Um, so that's been the biggest thing for me is just tapping into that that simplicity of prayer. Um, and it's helped me grow. And so then going into this Lent season, um, as I've been um, preparing for the teachings and our time together on, on Wednesdays, um, and also this uh, podcast, and as I've been entering into my own uh, disciplines uh, for Lent, my prayer, my own prayer disciplines, um, it's actually like joy. It's joyful. It's actually I'm really excited about engaging with this thing, and I'm and I've found um, more joy in my prayer than I have in years, maybe maybe ever. Um, and it was really just digging into those simple things, um, the you know, those passages, like Pastor Phil said, those prayers that are already written, um, the simple prayers that you can just do um, again and again, as you lean into them, uh, you just get greater familiarity with God um, and with His uh, work in in us. Well, I think in the same way, obviously, every one of us is on a journey, which means we should be growing. 
And for me, it was definitely just releasing myself from some sort of idealistic view of what prayer is. Mm. You know, it's not uh, going into the wilderness for an hour yeah. and isolating yourself. It's a conversation. I think what Tim Keller said is, is this conversation with God, is this experience with God. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what it is. So I've, I've just learned, and I've kind of mentioned this before in the podcast, but treating it more consistently like the way I communicate with people, which is a drop-in. Mm-hmm. Hey, God, this really is tough. Hey, God, thank you for this. Thank you for the fact that I have a car that started this morning mm. when it's cold. You know, just to kind of drop in a kind of a text message prayer conversation. And really that allowed me to experience God more throughout the day and also not feel the guilt or uh, whatever might be weigh on me from this false expectation that what prayer is, is isolating myself and just camping out for 30 minutes when actually all I'm doing is counting the time and thinking about all the stuff that I have to do that I'm not doing right now. And so right now I start every morning and I walk into church and I either go to the sanctuary if no one's in there or I feel odd if someone's in there. So I tend to just stay in my office and I'll just give the morning to God I pray a blessing over the church and I pray for the things that I hope match up with his will. And then I start my day. And then of course, throughout the day, if something transpires, I try to drop in with God before I say something stupid or uh, do something stupid or whatever. And so just freeing myself up to not have those expectations really allowed me to be more consistent. As far as fear, I'll just tell you right now, there is nothing more scary than praying in front of a group of people, mm. especially when you have a prayer list with a whole bunch of names that you don't know how to pronounce. <laughs> and so, uh, honestly, I, uh. I don't have a ton of fear in praying publicly, uh, just because I've honestly been doing it since I was a little kid. But the thing that's the, the most challenging <laughs> is that prayer list, because yeah. everyone has somebody on there who mm. they love. And if you don't say their name right, it's like a direct assault on them or their loved one. And so I will tell you that that's the most terrifying thing. The good news is God knows how to pronounce all the names better than we know how to pronounce our own name. Mm. And and so, you know, he, he knows who we're talking about. And so we don't have to worry about that. And, and really to be concerned about that, unless I'm doing it intentionally, uh, is kind of silly because God does know and God has the power and, and really... There's nothing special about how I pronounce it or, or not. But I'll tell you, that's as a pastor, that's the scariest part is flubbing someone's name. And so if I ever do that, I apologize ahead of time. <laughs> Just uh, cover, cover your bases. <laughs> but if that gets you worked up, understand that God's in charge. It's not me. And in no way did I somehow stop a surgery from being successful because the last name was Anderson and not Anderson. And you guys see the issue there. So anyways, I hope you guys have enjoyed this conversation about prayer because it's going to continue all throughout Lent. And I mm-hmm. hope that you've gleaned some, some valuable insights of what prayer is and the necessity of prayer, or maybe a better way to say that is the value of prayer mm-hmm. in your life and the mm-hmm. true gift that it is, and also how to start your prayer life. So, so maybe it's using the Psalms or using some mm-hmm. uh, memorized passages or learning to memorize them, or maybe mm-hmm. it's just the drop-in prayer. Mm-hmm. Whatever works for you, I hope that you start putting into practice. There's no one-size-fits-all type scenario. Right. You know, Obviously, another great practice for you during this season is step into our Lenten experiences, because Pastor Eric is going to walk you guys through 
the Lord's Prayer. Um, last night, if you missed out on our Ash Wednesday service, you missed out on this, this moment where Christ was desperate. He was desperate. His life was coming to an end, and he knew that that death was not going to be pleasant. Everything leading up to that moment was going to be horrific. Mm-hmm. And so what did he do? He prayed. And that says a lot to us as Christians. And so I don't want you to miss out. In fact, we're going to have those sermons online available to you. And so if you miss that, maybe something happened on Ash Wednesday and you were out of town or you were sick, uh, they're going to all build off each other. And so go to the website, take a listen, uh, watch it if you would like, whatever you need to do to get connected, because we're going to launch into the Mm -hmm. Lord's Prayer next Mm -hmm. week at our services. And I don't want you to miss out. And I hope that every second of every day throughout this Lenten experience that your prayer life is is deeper and deeper and more rich and full. And so until next time, um, for Pastor Phil and for Pastor Eric, I have been Pastor Ben, and we say goodbye. So glad that you were able to join us. And so we're so thankful for your support and uh, and your prayers. So pray for the podcast, pray for new life, as well as you're adding things into um, that conversation with God and that power powerful moment with God. And so we will see you guys next week as we continue our conversation. Six of my great-grandparents came from Germany and and two from Switzerland. Hmm. You're a Lutheran purebred too, Ben, aren't you? I was just actually going to remind myself 80% German or something like that because the Swedish side uh, was Lutheran and then the German side was Lutheran. 3% Irish. So Yeah. I never checked mine. It must be, you know, I'm liberated now. You guys are rigid Germans. Everything's black and white. Yeah. And I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not that. It must be the, the truth. It must be must be the emotional the Irish emotionalism. Right, right. My the Irish is quite imminent. Like Philadelphia Irish. Okay. They came to Philadelphia. My my grandfather's grandfather was born at sea. Oh really? On the way over. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. I think mine was thrown overboard. Like actually thrown overboard. <laughs> Swallowed by a whale. That couldn't work. That couldn't. He swam the rest of the way. Yeah, that's right. He got spit out on shore. Yeah, that's right. I oh, am large German fish. Oh, man.